Hey everybody, and welcome to the Paychex Business Series podcast. My name is Gene Marks. I'm glad you're joining me because on this conversation today, I'll be speaking with the ranking member of the House of Representatives Small Business Committee, Blaine Lutkemeyer. Uh, Blaine represents the Republicans on this committee, very much involved with a lot of small business issues. And we're going to be talking about those issues that impact your small business, including uh, the minimum wage and how that might impact you and whether or not he feels that it's a good thing for the economy. Uh, Unemployment payments are being made, deficit spending, as well as other things where there might be some bipartisan agreement, particularly on infrastructure. Um, Ranking member Lutkemeyer, thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad that you're here. My pleasure, Gene. Good to be with you today. You have just become the ranking member of of the Small Business Committee uh, for for the House. Um, And I'm kind of curious how that, first of all, came about and what your experience is with the committee and small business in general. Well, thank you for the question. Uh, Yeah, I uh, spent 10 years on the committee, and then I stepped off uh, last session when the Republicans lost the House, and we didn't have enough slots for all of the freshmen to be able to serve on different committees. And so I already serve on the Financial Service Committee as well. And so I offered uh, that slot up so that some freshmen could have that slot, uh, and so they took it. And uh, now they've asked me to come back on the committee and be able to lead that committee because there really is no senior leadership on there. Uh, Most of all the senior members have all left the committee and uh, we have term limits on our committee chairmanships and uh, Chairman Shabbat and Ranking Member Shabbat who uh, was termed out couldn't hold out the the chairmanship or ranking membership anymore. So uh, they asked me to uh, consider it. I did and uh, made my presentation at the steering committee meeting and was uh, given this opportunity. Good. I'm glad. You know, in the years I've been writing about the committee, um, and I, I've interviewed, you know, Congresswoman Velasquez, uh, you know, uh, you know, Congressman Shabbat as well. It is um, it is a rare place in Congress that is quite bipartisan um, because I think the members do share many of the same concerns about the issues affecting small businesses. Has that been your experience as well? Yeah, I think it is fairly bipartisan. I think. Um... You know, myself, having a business background, it enables me to be able to understand the issues on there. And I know that serving on the steering committee as well, that when we populate the committees, we try and find uh, individuals uh, and individuals who ask for these committees that are a nice match from the standpoint of their backgrounds, their interests, their districts. And so when we have uh, our members on the committee, those folks actually do uh, have some sort of a background in small business or a lot of small business in their district. Uh, or they have an interest in small business of some kind. So there are people who are genuinely uh, want to be on the committee, who are interested in the, the welfare of small businesses and uh, want to participate. So it's, it's, a, it's a good mix of, of folks. And uh, as a result, we get a lot of good, in my experience anyway, is that we get a lot of good uh, back and forth in the, in the hearings uh, with regards to the issues that are discussed those days. You know, so as we're, you and I are recording this now and we're in the latter part of January and as this will be listened to, um, you know, the, the you know, President Biden's stimulus proposal is out there. It's going to be taken up by Congress and discussed and uh, debated. I picked out a few items from a stimulus proposal, um, Congressman Luke Meyer, that affects small businesses. And I just I do want to just hear your your insights, your thoughts, um, you know, you know, as a member of the committee. So uh, the first item that he mentioned, you know, that he has in this proposal is about increasing um, the minimum wage nationally to fifteen dollars an hour. So can you can you share us what, what is your opinions on that? Is that is that good or bad for small business? Does that depend? Uh, what is your what, what are your thoughts on the minimum wage? 
Well, I think generally it's bad for small businesses. I think, you know, there's a difference between locales across the country, whether you're in New York or whether you're in my home county of Miller County in central Missouri, which is very, very rural. I mean, there's a big difference in, 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 in having a, a small business in Miller County versus downtown New York, uh, what kind of a wage you'll pay. But I think generally speaking, uh, a minimum wage is something that is not helpful to most small businesses because uh, they're at, at the present time, their business model is built on a certain wage scale for their employees. And if you suddenly increase that uh, significantly, they're going to have to make some choices, whether you retain employees by you know, increasing your, your, your pay to them and then have to increase uh, the cost of your product or service you're giving, or do you let employees go uh, and find an alternative, downsize, for instance, or do you go find some way to automate? So I think, you know, it, 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 it affects employment on many, many levels. And I think, um, you know, it, while it, it may sound good, uh, to me, I've always talked about the, the unemployment um, or the, the minimum wage in, in the context that you really don't need a minimum wage if you've got a growing economy. Right. If you have a growing economy, there's going to be competition for workers. And that, that, that for instance, before the pandemic, hit, we had 1.2 million jobs more than we have people to fill them. So if you have that sort of a surplus of jobs, you're going to have employers who are going to really compete for employees, and they're going to drive that cost up as they can afford to pay it and, and adapt their, their, their pricing structure for their goods and services. And it'll, it'll be a nice way to grow the economy in a, in, a, in, a, in a managed way. When you just across the board unilaterally decide to raise the minimum wage, it has a very disruptive effect. Uh, and those businesses that can't raise the, their, their pay, they will go out of business, and it's quite unfortunate because that's a, that has a ripple effect across not just that particular business, but across the entire local economy of, of, of an area. So I think, you know, I, I, again, I'm not a big fan of, 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 the, of the minimum wage. When you have a downturn in the economy where people become unemployed, um, you know, that, that's, that's whenever you may need a floor, but you don't need a floor in growing times and whenever you... So when people start talking about a minimum wage to me, it's like, okay, you're telling me that the economy is either stagnating or going to go backwards. Why do you need a, a minimum wage in good times? And so um, I, I think to me, if, the, if President Biden is putting a minimum wage in his bill, he anticipates what he's telling me, he anticipates some bad times. And if he gets the heck out of the way and doesn't do this with rules and regulations that are in place right now and don't add to them with the taxes that are in place right now and don't change it, that where our economy is set to grow um, as soon as this pandemic, you know, is, is, is minimized, sure. uh, just like it was growing prior to the pandemic. Got but it. if you get in the middle of this and you wind up with more rules and regulations and you increase taxes, you've changed the business model and the dynamic of, of our economy such that, yeah, you may need a minimum wage at that point because you're going to throw us into a recession. Unemployment insurance. Uh, the president does want to um, extend the payments, actually increase them now from right now it's $300. Um, per week, the federal added benefit to the state benefit. Um, he wants to increase that to $400 per week uh, through the end of September. Um, a lot of business owners I speak to um, have struggled with this. They do care that their employees or ex-employees are, are receiving unemployment during, you know, during these challenging times, but they have found that the federal benefit uh, almost acts as a deterrent uh, towards returning to work. So what, do, what are your thoughts on that provision of his proposal? You know, rather than rather than the, the three or four hundred dollar extra check, why don't you give those people a job? 
Mm. Why don't you quit the lockdowns so that people can be employed? And let me give you an example in my own state of Missouri. In Missouri, our lockdown ended mid-May. In 2020, we had about a 5% increase in revenues for the state over 2019. Yes, let me state that again. We had an increase in revenues coming into the state of about 5% in 2020 over 2019. Mm-hmm. We had, right now, we've got about a 4.4% unemployment rate, which is uh, about 2.3% under the national rate of 6.7. And we got 200,000 jobs that are going unfilled at the moment. When you start talking about unemployment, the choices that have been made by some of these governors on the coast and in Illinois, for instance, New Jersey, uh, New York, and California, to shut down their states, yes, they're paying a price for that with the unemployment rates and all of that, and we're supposed to bail them out for poor management. That, that, that's really frustrating to me to see that. And it's interesting now that, they, that today everybody's made headlines, which uh, I think Washington, D.C., Michigan, Illinois, and California are all opening up as of uh, Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So they're realizing the errors of their way. Um, I've got a survey in front of me that uh, Governor Cuomo did uh, of his state between September and November of last year. And it shows, for instance, that uh, restaurants and bars only added 1.4% uh, to the cases of COVID in his state. Personal and uh, hair care folks, personal care and hair uh, beauty salon folks, 0.1% of the cases were uh, attributed to uh, COVID for the, uh, those, those sorts of um, businesses. So it's, I think this is why you see them starting to open up. They realize that the businesses can walk and chew gum at the same time. They can make their businesses able to offer their services in a healthy way, that people can take advantage of their businesses in a healthy way, and everybody can win by this. The people can get the goods and services they need. The businesses can stay open. And they do it in a way where they manage it themselves between both the customer and the, and the business where it's a healthy situation. So uh, I, to me, it, you know, my state is an example. You know, look at Florida, mm-hmm. um, other, in Texas, other states that have been open. Yes, yeah, you know, we still have COVID cases, but the lockdowns haven't worked in, state, worked in states that have these lockdowns. You know, you look at the, the death rate from Florida and New York, they're basically the same size population, but Florida had 20, 23,000 people, where New York had 39,000 people. Sure. So the lockdown is a huge problem, I think, when it comes to the unemployment. Um, you, you've unemployed people intentionally. And I think getting people back to work solves the problem more than this three or $400 check, which is, as you indicated, um, Gene, is counterproductive. I've talked to lots and lots of employers, especially small business people. Sure. They just can't find enough people because people will stay home for this three or $400 check. I don't, you know, I, the, the unemployment benefits is fine. You know, if people are legitimately unemployed, they need to have some help. But some of these folks will not go back to work because they do get this extra check. They would go back to work if they were getting just unemployment because they can make more going to work than they can on unemployment. Whenever you add the unemployment and this check, now they're making more money than going back to work. And you have a lot of people that will, and I've had them tell me that. I've had people tell me, you know, as long as I get this check, I'm not going back to work. I can stay home and, and you know, do this or that and, you know, make a little money on the side, you know, a little cash business here doing that. And I'm, I'm fine. It's so, true. It's funny. I've, I've had some clients complain to me that before COVID, 
they were having a difficult time finding you know, employees because the economy is so strong. Now they're having a difficult time finding employees because the government is paying them more to stay home. So it's a, it's a similar issue. Um, Congressman Lukumar, you, you, have, you have a lot of experience and a background in the banking industry as well. Um, the, both Republicans and Democrats have spent um, have, have spent a lot of money on stimulus, um, you know, for, for all good reasons, I believe, but it has put a huge amount of pressure on our deficits and, of course, our national debt. Um, and our national debt itself, our public debt, is somewhere on, on you know, record of like 140% of our gross domestic product. The, uh, you know, the proposals by the Biden administration will, will add to that. And I'm not saying that they're, they're good or bad. Again, I believe people do things with the right intention. But as a business owner, um, you know, based on your experience in financial services, you know, what does what does business owners have to be concerned about with such a, you know a significant increase in our deficits and our national debt? Well, I think there's there's two things there. I think you've got inflation that could take place if you keep pouring money into the economy with and and not be targeted. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, and and I think then you you also wind up with higher interest rates. Uh, which could be detrimental. So you wind up with inflation and higher interest rates. It's 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 a double whammy to your small businesses, especially. Now I'm not necessarily against some of the things we've done. I voted for some of these programs because I think it's kind of like whenever you break a leg and you can't go to work, but you still have bills to pay. Yep. What do you do? You go to the bank or a credit union. You borrow the money to pay the bills for six weeks so that you can get by. Then when you get back on your feet, what do you do? You pay it back. I don't have a problem with that. The problem that we have at the national level is borrowing the money to be able to get us through this problem, but then we don't stop and start paying it back when we get back to good times. Mm-hmm. There's where the problem is. When you get in a crunch like we're in right now, yes, this is a time that you do some extraordinary things like borrow money to be able to get through it. But when we get out of this mess, that's whenever we need to take a step back and say, okay, we've got to pay the money back. Now we need to balance our budget and find a way to minimize these increased costs that we're incurring because of the debt that we're, we're adding to to ourselves here. So I don't, again, just to summarize, I don't, I'm not necessarily against some of this, this, this spending that's going on, but when we get done with it, we need to start uh, finding a way to balance our budget and start paying it back. And I think these, this, uh, the money that we're spending needs to be very targeted. What we found now over the last several months, you know, initially we had no idea what was going to happen. And so we just kind of did what we thought was a, was a scattergun approach, just try and help as much, many people as we could. But now we know, and we've seen the economy pick up in various parts of the country, other than we see various industries that are doing fine, but we do know where there needs to be some targeted relief. And I think that's the problem. That's what we tried to do in our bill that we passed in December, in mm-hmm. December here. And this is, I think, the problem that, that uh, President Biden has with his approach. His approach goes back to, well, let's throw all the money we can at the problem, and it'll, it'll all find its way to the right place. No, 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 no. This is $1.9 billion trillion that we really don't need to spend in my mind because it needs to be more targeted than that. Mm-hmm. And I'll give, you, I'll give you another quick example here. With regards to like the state and local money in there, um, I asked the question in committee of a former uh, budget director, how many dollars do we need to put into our, our, our CARES Act 2.0, which we were discussing at the time, mm-hmm. to be able to make the states whole from what they're losing as a result of COVID? And he said, look, most states are doing okay with their with their, their sales tax revenue. It's the income tax revenue that's the shortfall. And he says it takes about $200, $250 billion to make them whole uh, from what they're losing as a result of COVID. What 
President Biden is doing, is he's got this significantly higher than that. And what he's trying to do is help these states who've been mismanaged all these years, especially their pension plans, to be able to help bail those plans out. Now, I don't mind helping those states to the extent that they've got COVID expenses, but I'm not going to support, continue to bail out their mismanagement of the retirement plans and all the rest of their state government activities. That's where I have a problem with, with what the President Biden is doing. And I think if you look at his plan, there's way, way too much money in there for state and local governments to be able to do just that thing, you know, shore up some of the mismanagement of the past years. Got it. All right. I'm going to turn to the new stimulus plan that was passed at the end of December, which you were you very much involved in. Um, and you know, rather than talk about some of the, the bigger items in it, like paycheck protection or, or whatnot, you mentioned just before about targeting the money. So the new stimulus plan is trying to target more money towards businesses in low to moderate income areas and, and businesses like in your district that are the farmers as well. So, you know, so here's your chance, you know, Congressman Luke Kamara, you're, you know, you're, if you're talking to business owners in low to moderate income areas, or if you're talking to farmers in your district um, that have not been taking the kind of advantage over this stimulus that they should have been taking, you know, um, what should they be doing right now to take full advantage of the money that's available to them? And you're talking about the new new program, or are you talking, talking about the proposal? Talking about President the program. And I'm leaning also. I mean, if we start with the low to moderate income businesses, because I need to hear it from from someone like yourself, um, there is a lot of money, billions of dollars, that have been set aside for certain types of. Well, I'll let you right. talk about it. Infrastructure, financial, you know, community banks and uh, you know, CDFIs and all that. So can you talk a little bit about those opportunities? Yeah, I think I think we tried in this um, in this bill to be better at targeting those monies. And, you know, as we saw, we, we limited the instead of ten million dollars per per loan, it's down to two million dollars. Uh, we said you had to have at least a 25 percent decrease in revenue in the first one of the three first three quarters of last year. So if you actually target the people who have suffered as a result of the COVID uh, situation, you know, not somebody who has done real well. I mean, you've got, you know, grocery stores and you've got contractors. I mean, you can't find a contractor right now because they're all so busy. I mean, so there's there's certain industries that are doing well and yeah. they don't need to be in line to be helped out. I think there's like, a two year, there's like a two year waiting list to get like a pool installed in your house in the Midwest, that, you know, so yeah, there are businesses that are doing very well. So, but, but there are some that are still struggling and, 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 you know, there are certain industries, for instance, the restaurants and, and, and bars and, and travel industry and, and airlines and, you know, those sort of folks, they, they really, and those people who work for those, hmm. those people are struggling and we need to find a way to help those. I don't have a problem with that. I think that's what we should be doing. Should target the relief to those sort of folks to help them get them on up and, and participate, be able to participate in our growing economy. But, um, yeah, I think that's what we tried to do in this bill. I mean, uh, as you look at, uh, for instance, uh, the difference between, um, let's say, um, you know, let's say you've got a hardware store in the corner that actually been suffering for some reason, although there shouldn't be many hardware stores that are suffering, but let's say there is one. Uh, they can only do two and a half times their payroll uh, where for, for a month versus a, uh, a restaurant can actually do three and a half times. Right. So we tried to target and help those folks who, have, uh, we believe, struggled over the last uh, several months to be able to help them more than the other folks who uh, are struggling. So I think, you know, again, again we, we 
and, and again, the bill is not perfect. Uh, there's some things I would have liked to have seen different in there, but it's a, these bills are always a discussion between folks. Um, uh, so I think, you know, as, as a whole, I thought that it turned out pretty well. I, I've discussed those, uh, the PPP loans with, uh, uh, I talked to a banker association over the weekend and I talked to some bankers over the weekend and so far so good. Uh, there's a couple little glitches, but compared to the initial rollout of the PPP program back in March, this is a this is on a, a really nice glide path right now. Good. Uh, it rolled out in stages, and so far, um, it's minimal, uh, you know, minimal uh, problems with compared to what it was. And by and large, the the banks and the customers are really excited about what's going on and are are thrilled to see uh, the the quality of the program and the ability to respond of SBA to all this. So going forward, I'm going to pivot now towards, you know, towards the next two years, particularly before the midterm elections. Um, do you see bipartisan agreement on any potential major bills in Congress that could you know, have a significant impact on the economy and small businesses? And I'll start with one. Um, what do you think is going to happen to you know, a potential infrastructure bill, for example? Yeah, I think I think there is an opportunity with an infrastructure bill. You know, I, my concern, and, and there's there's a lot of places, uh, Gene, that we could come together on things. Okay. The problem that we're going to have, I'm fearful, is that, you know, the other side right now seems to be driven by the far far left, and their ideas of infrastructure, their ideas of tax reform, their ideas of helping small businesses, uh, you know, trade deals, whatever it may be, is completely different than. Quite frankly, most of the of, of, our, of our not only our folks on our side of the aisle, but even some of them on their on the Democrat side of the aisle, yeah. uh, and they seem. But the the far left seems to be driving the agenda, and that's my concern. Is that while I think there was some room for some uh, some bipartisan work on some of these issues, I think especially transportation, um, the far left is going to drive it into the ground. I'm fearful uh, because of the, the the liberal want list that they've got. Um, and you can see from President Biden's you know, executive orders and some of the first you know, things he's talked about and the way he's you know, done things, it's like, holy smokes. It's like, this is not a good start. This is not how you want to uh, engender some, some good feelings on our side Understood. to be able to work with you. But but even so, on the infrastructure side, just just staying on that for a minute. I mean, yeah, I, I do realize that the, the you know the the left has supported you know the the green bill. Uh, there's a lot of things there that for a lot of people feel is is really uh, not something that's you know can really be accomplished. Um, but you know that's where they that's where they kind of what what they did. Um, but looking forward, both parties do not agree. Uh, from an infrastructure scale, you know, you know, feel that there is a lot of need for transportation, for uh, for our electrical grids, for um, you know our roads and systems and certain building infrastructure. That um, even if some accommodation was given towards environmentally friendly investments, um, that this that this could be something that happens in the first two years. And I and I ask that, and I kind of focus on that because, I mean, just so many small businesses. Um, are, are both directly and indirectly impacted when the government spends what could be more than a billion dollars on, um, you know, on infrastructure. And I'm just curious what your, you know, what you, what your thoughts are on that. Do you think that there could be a middle ground for that? Well, I think there could be. I think, you know, my concern, as I indicated, is that the, the far left is, is driving the agenda on the other side versus, you know, common sense willingness to be able to sit down and find common ground. Okay. Um, 
know, the far left doesn't seem to be willing to find that common ground, which I think, you know, we're, we're willing to look at, at, at some other issues and say, okay, we'll give you here, but you got to give to us. I mean, but right now with the far left, it's their way of the highway. I mean, if you sit down and negotiate with these people, that's where they are, uh, unfortunately. But I think there is ability, to, I think, to get to some common ground, because I think you're right. There are a lot of things that we all agree on with regards to transportation that needs to be fixed that we could agree we could go forward with. But um, I, I'm, I'm very concerned about the, uh, the way that the, the, the other side's allowing a, a small group of people within their conference to drive the agenda. Okay. Um, I have two other small issues and then we'll wrap things up. I, I really want to be conscious of your time. Um, um, number one is, um, you know, retirement plans. And by the way, if you, you, again, if you're not well-versed, just say it's completely fine. Um, but, you know, when, when President Biden was running for office, um, he has a proposal to change the nature of 401k plans, which could, could affect you know, businesses, both big and small. And the nature was instead of allowing for a deduction for a 401k contribution, like you and I, you know, can take advantage of, um, it would be, you know, it would be more in the form of a tax credit based on your, um, you know, on your income levels. So um, I'm curious if you've had any, you know, any time to spend on what his proposal was and whether or not you think that's something that could happen um, during this first term or during this next term in Congress. I haven't looked at that, to be honest with you. I haven't haven't seen that part of his proposal. Um, you know, I, I, I really prefer not to comment unless I know more about it. But, I, you know, I think, you know, 401ks are something that are very, very important to individuals to be yeah. able to prepare themselves. And I think it's a, you know, I, I hope he doesn't tinker around with it in a way that's going to be detrimental to it because it is a very popular program and it's been very successful. It is. It is. Um, it, I'm, I'm actually glad that you answered it in that way because, um, I mean, it is something that when you take a fresh look at it, it might be something that uh, you'd be considered. You haven't formed an opinion on it yet, which is great. The only, the other thing, which is, um, you know, another huge issue for businesses, and I'm curious if this has come across the committee yet, has to do with independent contracting. Um, you know, uh, President Biden was a big supporter of AB5 in, in California, uh, which is the rule that, that really kind of changed the way uh, most employers, other than some of the ride-sharing firms who got uh, their own carve-out, uh, would have to classify their employees um, many of them using independent contractors in the past wouldn't be allowed to classify them as independent contractors anymore, particularly if those, those independent contractors were sort of generating revenue for their businesses, you know, and a lot of small business owners and frankly, my business, we use independent contractors all the time and I bill them out to clients. If that was something that changed on a national level would have an enormous impact on small businesses. So I'm kind of curious how, much you know high how high on the on your radar screen um independent contracting is for you as a member of congress and as a member of the committee well i can tell you from being a, an insurance agent for 30 years um there is a an ongoing discussion between insurance agents and companies with regards to especially if you're a captive agent but whether you're an independent contractor or whether you are uh, an employee of the com company right and so when you look at and, and this is an ongoing discussion that we've had ever since I was an agent 30 years ago when I first got in there, and, and it, it continues to this day. Uh, so I, <laughs> this is a huge issue, quite frankly, because um, in some instances, the business likes to claim you as an employee, yet treat you as an independent contractor. <laughs> and it, it and especially with insurance agents, so I mean, it, it makes a big difference from the standpoint of, of what they pay you, what your retirement is. 
uh, how your social security is figured, um, all of those things. I mean, it, it's, it's frustrating. Uh, and we've tried to address this a lot of times. And I know that uh, there's other industries that you mentioned, um, you know, in, in your question, there's other industries that have independent contractor problems as well with, um, and I, it kind of, each individual industry kind of has a unique spin on this. It has a unique position because of the uniqueness of the industry. And it's, it's hard, you know, we've tried to look at this a couple different times and it's kind of hard to go on a, on a, on a one size fits all on this because of the uniqueness of some industries, but you're right. It is a big problem. And uh, I don't know whether we can solve it or not. I don't know that uh, President Biden's got the right approach on it. And I, I, I question it because it's, it's such a complex issue because of the uniqueness of so many different industries and how they approach it. Fair enough. All right, I'm gonna wrap things up with just um, just, just a couple of predictions for you and, uh, and sort of a personal question. The, uh, the prediction, I, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on, again, from the aspect of a small business owner, you know, how you think uh, 2021 will turn out economically. Um, and then while you're answering that question, you can think in the back of your mind, uh, Congressman Lukenheimer, if you were, you know, you were, you were done with, with Congress in two years, and let's say you don't go back to financial services ever again, uh, if there is a small business yourself that has always interested you in starting up, um, whether that's a passion or just because it's in a potentially hot industry. So tell us what you think 2021 is going to be. And I'm kind of curious to think where you, where you think personally there'd be some interesting opportunities. Well, I think if, if the Biden administration does not raise taxes significantly, and if they do not increase regulation significantly, I think by the end of the year, I think you'll see us have a really nice rebound economically. I think, you know, COVID is going to be uh, managed better and to the point where I think uh, you'll see the rest of the country kind of respond like my state did. You'll see growth in it. You'll see jobs being created. I think you'll see a lot of opportunity for people. You know, in, in our country, as long as there is the ability for the entrepreneur to take a risk, they will do that where they see the risk reward sitting there. But if you regulate too much and you raise taxes too much, the risk reward will not be there. And as a result, they will not take that risk and you will not see that kind of growth. So as long as the, the president doesn't get too aggressive with what he's trying to do, I think we have a great opportunity to have by uh, end of 2021, a great year. Because I think if you look at where we were, uh, before the pandemic hit, 1.2 million more jobs than we had uh, people to fill them, an economy that was going through the roof, and it was, it was an economy that was uh, helping everybody across the board. Every demographic group was improving. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of growth that you want and the kind of economy you want. And I think that's what we could have again, as long as we don't mess it up with rules and regulations and taxes. Got it. Well, I'm not going to let you skirt the last question. So, you know, what, what business yeah. would you open if you had the opportunity? <laughs> well, I, I, that's a great question. I've not really thought about that from the standpoint. Um, you know, I would probably take my own business and maybe expand it. Um, you know, we're in the, my brother and I own a small community bank. Ah. Uh, my son, my son has my insurance agency now. Um, I probably would not get into that, but I would probably expand our existing business. Um, but I think, you know, I think, uh, Maybe a manufacturing business where you would, you know, find a, you know, a niche that you could uh, get into uh, a unique product that, uh, you know, you could break into the market and try, uh, you know, it would take a little time, it would take a little capital to make it happen. But I think there's always a place in the market in our country for that niche market, that individual who can find that unique product that 
It was different from everybody else for whatever reason, uh, more effective, more, you know, prettier or more functional or whatever it is. And um, I think if you, you did something like that, to me, I've always, I've always enjoyed manufacturing. I would like to try and get into manufacturing some kind. I tell you, sometimes I just think we're we're both too old to do that. You know, it's just you just want to retire at this point. I, I am. I'm, I'm I'm too old to try that. I'm, I'm I can assure you, I'm not. A few years ago, I almost jumped into a manufacturing business, but uh, I didn't do it at the time because I was busy with other things and uh, it was going to take more money, and I really wanted to put into it, and yep. so I backed off on it. But um, you know, I, I and right now I'm too old to do that. I'd rather go chase grandkids and uh, work on my farm. And so that's a lot more productive and more, more satisfying. I understand. Well, you've earned it. Well, thank you. Ranking member Blaine Lutkemeyer is a Republican congressman from Missouri. Thank you very much, Congressman Lutkemeyer, for joining us today. Your insights were very, very valuable. My name is Gene Martz. You've been listening to the Paychecks Business Series podcast. If you'd like more information and advice to help you run your business, visit us at paychecks.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Again, my name is Gene Marks. We look forward to seeing you again next time. Thanks. This podcast is property of Paychecks Inc. 2021. All rights reserved.